You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Hey guys, my name is Matt Langston. I am a music producer, a mix engineer, and an avid unicorn enthusiast. And I would like to invite you over to my podcast, Eleven D Life. On Eleven D Life, we get to talk to your favorite artists, producers, and creators about what makes them tick. We take deep dives into where they get their juiciest inspirations from and how they keep from being cynical about all of it. We even get to pull back the curtain on my band, Eleven D Seven, and share some fun insider tips and tricks for our fellow. Bandmates and creators out there. So be sure to check out Eleven D Life right here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network and wherever you get your favorite shows. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. In this episode, I speak with John Steingard, former frontman of the Christian band Hawk Nelson. He made waves last year by announcing his departure from Christianity. And I wanted to have him on the show to talk about his journey away from Christian faith. It's an amazing conversation. And we talked about everything from philosophy to growing up Christian to being in the Christian music industry and what led him out of that world. It's an amazing conversation and I really hope you enjoy it. But before we get to that, I have just a few pieces of housekeeping. First, as always, I have to thank my patrons. They are the lifeblood of this show. I really can't do this without my amazing patrons. And if you want to join their number for a dollar a month or $5 a month, you can get extra content every single week, including my House of Heretics podcast, in which the pastor Timothy and I have conversations about everything from religion to politics, current events, just all kinds of stuff, whatever's happening in the world, we talk about it on the show. So this week, I have to thank my latest patrons, Joe, Deja Vu, Brendan, Hazardous Heart, Victoria, and Gutter Sniper. Thank you so much. You are my personal lords and saviors, and I really could not do this without you. Now, if you're unable to give financially, there are other ways to support the show. One of the best ways is to just share it with your friends. Subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you're able to do just a little bit more, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave five stars. And if possible, write a nice little review that tells our digital overlords that the show is worth showing to others. Now, I also have to thank my amazing Discord server. There is a link to my Discord server in the show notes. If you're not content, just listening to the show and you want to actually engage with the audience of the show, engage with like-minded people who enjoy my work, then please consider joining my Discord server. It's an amazing little community. Every day there's new stuff going on there. I'm just absolutely thrilled by the community that is building around this podcast. So if you're interested in that, 
do please go to the show notes. There is a link there to my Discord server. And finally, the show is sponsored by the satanictemple.tv. Go to the satanictemple.tv and at checkout, use my promo code SACREDTENSION for one month free. It is a streaming platform by the Satanic Temple. If you're interested in new religious movements, in rituals, in amazing lectures, all kinds of fascinating stuff, there are live streams, talk shows, live events, movie nights, all kinds of stuff going on at the satanictemple.tv. So if that interests you, please take advantage of that deal. Use my promo code sacred tension, no space, all caps. All right. Well, with all of that out of the way, I'm delighted to give you my conversation with John Steingard. John Steingard, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. So let's just get right into it. You you were the uh, front man of a pretty popular Christian band called Hawk Nelson. I I'm I'm basically a boomer, so I don't know actually how popular it was. <laughs> but I'm told I actually don't know how popular either. I, I think most people <laughs> in bands are living in a, a some alternate reality where they're incredibly popular or horribly unpopular, depending on how you write your own narrative. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're a nerd growing up and yeah. and you just carry around that you know, bullied nerd status your entire life. By the way, yeah. my my cat is yowling in the background. So dear listeners, if you hear my cat yowling, that's Wednesday. My partner just recently took her outside on a leash for like the first time in her life. So she's taken the red pill and now knows that the outdoors exist. And it's just <laughs> like, and t- taking the red pill in like the, the actual literal, you know, reference to the matrix not the scary yeah. right wing sense sure just to, my my cat has not been red pilled by like QAnon or the men's rights group sure just to clarify <laughs> right but yeah. now she's like at the door non-stop yowling and so if you hear her in the background that's why okay so you were in the band hawk nelson and you know i'm told by the kids that it was pretty popular i remember one of my friends actually one of my assistants for this show show was really into your music and and uh showed some of it to me and i was like oh okay great this is cool i like it right on so but then something happened what happened well for me or for you (laughs) for you for you what happened you were you were in this christian band yeah uh where did that go yeah. So, I mean, essentially I was, uh, it's been pretty much my entire adult life. I was, uh, I started touring with Hawk Nelson when I was 20 years old. So just not that long after finishing high school. And, uh, I continued to do that until just about a year and a half ago, something like that. Um, and we sort of, at the end, we sort of decided to sort of taper off gradually. I wanted to come off the road. I've got two kids now and, and, and the life of a touring musician is one that I had done for, you know, a decade and a half. And, and I was anxious to sort of explore other aspects of life. And so as I began to sort of transition away from, from doing Hawk Nelson and doing Christian music, I started to ask myself the question, like, what do I really believe if my career is not dependent on me believing anything in particular. And it occurred to me that I hadn't really thought about that really deeply pretty much my entire adult life because I was in this career that required me to not just be a professional musician, but be to be a, essentially a professional Christian. And and so I had an, an incentive to not 
think about it too much, you know, and to, to just continue with that. And so as I realized my life was heading in a different direction and I had the freedom to, to sort of really contemplate what I actually thought and had the additional sort of pressure of, of raising two children and teaching them about the world, it, it became apparent to me that I really need to think, needed to think more about what I believe. And as I went through that journey, I, I gradually became less and less certain about my Christian faith. And, and that really sort of, especially once we get into lockdown in 2020, I really, uh, I really leaned into that and, um, and found that I, I just didn't, I didn't really find that I could believe in God anymore. And uh, that was actually sort of a, an unwelcome thought at the time. Uh, I completely, it, I completely relate to that. Yeah. Well, was, did you it, have a similar experience or? Yeah. I mean, and you know, my, my listeners are probably so sick of hearing me talk about my story, but <laughs> you know, looking back, I realized that I was, I had been losing my faith for about a decade yeah. and it was entire. whoop, it was for me, it was entirely environmental that, that where I was put in this very Christian situation where I, I felt like I had to perform. And I think that was reinforcing belief in a way that I wasn't aware of. Hold on, let me close the door. The cat's yowling. Um, <laughs> I, I think that reinforced belief for me in a way that I wasn't even aware of. And yeah. And, and that, that, that I so identify with that. That was very similar for me. Yeah. yeah. And and maybe maybe you'll relate to this too. Like, because I've had some people since then say like, oh, well, you know, this whole time you knew you didn't believe. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I exactly. like, I, I did. I did believe as, as far as I knew. Like, there's, I, there's this sense of being hidden from yourself. And, mm-hmm. and there's this, you know, it's almost like, I know this is a really, really, hold on, my, my I have six cats and they are, <laughs> they are very active tonight. Just a second. Sure. sure. Okay. All the cats are out there. Awesome. There was a, there was a toy just on the other side of the door and oh. I was watching this Paul. Like, do it. yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, okay. I'm so sorry. The cats distracted me. Um, yeah, well, we were we were kind of contemplating the thought of like, what what does it mean to believe? And and if you think that you believe, yes, you yes, know, but may, maybe you're not sure. Well, what the, what constitutes belief? Well, basically, and, and, you know, there's this scene. I know it's it's kind of a um, nerdy uh, reference, but Sixth Sense the the film where there's that moment at the very end where Bruce Willis puts all the pieces together and realizes that he always knew he was a ghost but hadn't was never able to accept it yeah and mm. and there's this it's like that same moment where it makes sense only in retrospect that that my faith was crumbling, but I had such a vested interest in protecting myself and protecting yeah. my ego and protecting my my status. You know, we're we're social creatures. We're we're social apes. We will do just about anything to lie to ourselves in yeah. order to maintain social status. Yeah, I I agree with that. I'm and I mean I, I think there were signs, like mm. there were certain things that I always felt. I always felt uncomfortable with, um, but I couldn't really put my finger on why. And it wasn't until I sort of really dug in and had the courage to really question things 
where I started to go like, oh, so that's why that always struck me as odd. Or that's why I always had like some sort of a weird gut feeling about that issue or something like that. Um, and, and once I began to, to really face those ideas and those doubts head on, it, the process started to accelerate pretty quickly. <laughs> was, there a, was there a feeling of inevitability about it? Uh, of uh, um, like like that this was almost like you had a a terminal case of doubt and that because that was the case for me I sh- I shouldn't you know ask leading questions like that that was the no case, that's okay that was the case for me where where my doubt felt terminal and I think mm-hmm. I knew that if I looked at it too hard it would lead me down a very frightening path and yeah uh, you know I you were just mentioning that you sorry go on. Yeah, I, I I think to it in a way that that I I did feel that I I felt perpetually drawn towards my questions, right? Where I was like, it's un, it's inescapable for me to mm. ask these questions and to go down whatever path they take me on. So, so that felt inevitable. I I I really, as I was walking out the path, because I, I spent two years like really intensely studying scripture, studying theology, studying um, science, evolution, cosmology, biology, genetics. Like I just, I, I just really, I was really hungry to, to be like, okay, like if there's a truth out there that can be known about this, I, I want to know. And um, I, I think I always knew that wherever that path was going, there was no way that if I found myself believing sometime in the future, there was no way it was going to look like what it used to look like. Um, so that felt inevitable. I was like, okay, where I was, there's no going back now. You know, you mentioned the red pill. I mean, the matrix is like a great example because, because it's like, um, once you're unplugged from the matrix, you really can't, you really can't go back. And, and so I feel that way even now. And there's parts of Christianity and parts of belief in spiritual things and spirituality in general that that I I really am continuing to be curious about um but but no matter where I'm headed in the future there's no way it's going to look like what it used to look like I mean that's that's for sure <laughs> hmm. once I, you see once you yeah. see you can't unsee yeah yeah it, you can't go home again and there really is this sense of of almost mourning. I think I'm, I think I'm over that mostly, Mm. you know, I I think I'm mostly over the grief now, but, Mm -hmm. but there are times when it still hits me of just this realization of now that I know what I know, I can never go back to my childhood faith. I can never go back to that place that was so secure for me. Mm -hmm. And, and I really am a reluctant atheist, you know, Mm. I, interesting. I, I really am. I don't, want to be an atheist. I didn't want to be an atheist. Now I, I, I'm really, I feel like making do the best I can. And I think it's true. And that's why I am an atheist. Not not because I like it, not because, um, not because I wanted to be, I, I really, it really felt like the loss of my faith felt like the loss of my grandmother. It, it felt like the loss of a family member and mourning. It has been a, a process that is incredibly hard to communicate to fellow atheists, especially atheists mm. and non-theists who've never been religious. It's like, how, how do you even begin to articulate this thing yeah. that never existed, and yet 
you feel its loss massively. Right. You yeah. know, it, it's, I, I mean, it's incredible. I, I, yeah, I sort of I, I when I when I'm in those conversations, I try to communicate it something like this that be, because I'm I'm Canadian originally and I live in San Diego now. I, I love living in San Diego. I um, I'm happy to live here. I, I'm grateful to live here. Um, but Canada will always be where I'm from. And yeah. I don't I don't prefer to live in Canada, at least not right now. And um, but but it's always Canada will always have a place for me that I feel connected to. Uh, it's like a homeland, you know, and yes, and and for me, Christianity feels similar um, where it's like that's that's how I grew up. That's where I come from. And there's actually a lot of things about me that that I I got from Christianity. And there's some things that I think are healthy to hang on to. Um, Absolutely. The difference is 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 whether or not Christianity owns those things that that I think have value. So for instance, like morality, like I think I have m- my moral sense and my moral intuition about my actions and the way that it affects other people. They're very, they're very, they still are very closely aligned with, with Christian values, but I just don't think it's because Christianity owns morality. I think that there's something bigger going on and, and, and Christianity tracks with morality in a lot of ways that I think are, are good and it, it it diverges in a few ways that I would disagree with, but you know that's. But I still I still look at Christianity almost like the way I look at Canada, like that's where I'm from, and I'm I'm grateful for it in that sense. Do you? But you know, Canadians in general are much nicer, just on average. Um, <laughs> you know, that's a stereotype that I, I know <laughs> I, I would challenge a little bit because because it, it is largely true. But but Canadians, we have our own language of of. Uh, dissent and our own language of disagreement, you know. Yes. So instead of being really like overtly like like screw you, blah 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 blah, Canadians are like, you know, the, oh well, you know, I guess, you know, I guess everyone has the freedom <laughs> to believe whatever they want to believe. But it's this subtle passive aggressive like, no, nah, no, nah, you're you're it's, you're uh, wrong. <laughs> it's definitely the same in uh, in in uh, the south in the southeast where I am. I'm in North Carolina. I'm in Asheville. And, oh uh, yeah, I love Asheville. Yeah, yeah. S- Southerners, you'll you'll never know that they hate you. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, so how what happened? How did you how did you break this news to your community that you were an atheist? Right. So, um, well, f- for a while I didn't, and 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 for a while I, I wasn't sure where I was at exactly with everything. I just, I just knew I was really struggling to believe what I had always believed. And then eventually I reached a point where I was certain enough in what I thought and, and how I w- really didn't feel like I could believe in at least the, the, the expression of God that I had always believed in. And that, you know, the thing that people mean when they say God inside of Christianity, uh, I just, I couldn't believe in that anymore. And uh, eventually I felt like it would be dishonest not to say something publicly about it. And so, because I had been so public with my faith for my at- entire adult life before that. So in May of, of this year, 2020, I, uh, you know, uh, early in that month, I, I said to my wife, I think I'm ready to say something publicly. And I, I assumed she would try and talk me out of it. You know, I assumed she would say, oh, don't do that. You'll ruffle, ruffle too many feathers. I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but she's a nine. Of and, course. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, so she's a peacemaker. So she doesn't 
typically want conflict. What are, you, what are you out of curiosity? You know, I discovered that it can change. It does because it can I, because for, I, and and for everyone so outside of the Christian bubble who have no idea what we're talking about right now. That's fine. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's just, a personality just, thing. Yeah. It's like a personality type thing. And I know there's tons of them out there. So this is just one of them. It's number it's numbers one through nine. And yeah. um, and nine is a peacemaker. That's what my wife is. The last the first time I took the Enneagram sort of quiz thing, I came out as a three, which is the achiever, which mm-hmm. sort of makes sense because, you know, I'm self-employed. I've you're always... not you're not on the couch all day smoking pot. I mean, maybe no. you are, but you're doing more than that. Well, I'm not on the couch smoking. pot. <laughs> right, right. You're in um, your you're in your but... your space chasing shuttle. <laughs> On the road, well, smoking that's pot. a whole other conversation we can okay. get into. But um, okay, I do live in California, so it's uh, it's perfectly legal here. And and I only dis- really discovered it recently. I know that sounds silly, not discovered, like, but... like a good Christian boy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you, we're 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 those. We are that type of person. I was just talking about this with Matt Langston, who of course had you on mm-hmm. his show the other yep. week. I know Matt. Yeah, where where it's like. We're all like Kimmy Schmidt just coming out of the bunker in our 30s yeah. Yeah. and and discovering for the first time that our lives in the evangelical world were just not normal. And it's like now we're discovering all of these things that we should have discovered in, in sure. high school. Sure. <laughs> right. Anyway, go on. No, I don't. I, I, I've lost my train of thought now. Um, I'm so sorry. I was I was okay. asking. I derailed you. I um I asked you what ha- what happened or, oh, or, yeah. or how how did. Uh, people respond when right, you right. So eventually, I decided to say something publicly, and um, oh, we we're talking about the enneagram. That's what it yes, was. Yes, that's so, right. So uh, I was a three. <laughs> I was a three. I was the achiever, which which sort of makes sense because I've I've always been sort of entrepreneurial and and, and that kind of thing. Um, but I took the test more recently after all of this stuff and I came out as an eight, which is the challenger, which I was like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like I can definitely see that. And, and so whenever I ask people what their number is, I was raised with the Enneagram actually. And so I've been really, yeah, my, my parents taught it. And so I was taught the Enneagram in utero. And, uh, so I feel like I, I can peg people pretty well and i was like this guy is an eight i just know <laughs> that he's an eight and i was right sure yeah well um yeah so i mean in any case i i, I after talking to my wife and her sh- surprisingly she was like you know what go for it i think covid mm. had just beat her down at that point she was just like mm. do whatever you want honey i don't care anymore <laughs> and so uh so i wrote this post and once i had it written like once I had it actually typed out, I, I was like, there's no way I can wait to post this. Like I was so anxious to post it because it felt like it felt like a coming out in a way. And I, I don't feel like, you know, as a 37 year old straight dude, I don't feel like I really have a right to use that phrase. But that's the closest thing I I, I think I could say to sort of define what that experience felt like for me as a Um, as a gay person i give you permission to use the thank you (laughs) yes you're welcome well i mean you you understand i want to you know i I, i'm hesitant to claim that term of course um but uh but yeah so i I posted this thing i remember i i i got it ready on instagram I, i hit post and then i put my phone down and i just freaked out i was like oh my gosh oh my gosh because i knew my life was gonna change i didn't know how hmm 
it, it turned out, you know, for three or four days, it made a bit of a stir in Christian music, but not, not much beyond that. And that's sort of what I expected. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of thought it would all simmer down and, and everyone would just go about their lives. And in Christian music, when, you know, when people, when news had happened, I've just, I've seen people move on so quickly, you know, so I'm, so I, I'm aware that I'm not the center of everybody's universe and people might go like, oh, wow, that's crazy. And then, you know, move on with their lives. But what ended up happening was about four days after I posted, uh, Fox news ran an article about me <laughs> and then, and then CNN and USA today and New York post. And it just went, bah, 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 bah. and it was like, ended up being, I don't know, 15 or 20 news outlets that ran an article, something along the lines of Christian singer says he no longer believes in God. Um, and at that point I was like, oh, wow, this is hitting a nerve. And I, I didn't really see that coming. Um, and that's been sort of a mixed bag ever since, but the, the good side of that has been, uh, it's connected me on, you know, on Instagram and, and Twitter and stuff like that. It's connected me with so many people in this space, sort of between fundamental Christianity and, you know, and, and, and then total atheism. There's this gray area where a lot of people are curious and wondering, and it's, you know, maybe people like me that grew up in, in church and are sort of questioning things, but don't feel like they have a space to do that, uh, safely without, you know, risking their, you know, their, their family relationships, their careers, their, you know, whatever. Um, and I've been able to have a lot of really meaningful conversations with people uh, that are in that space uh, since then. And so I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. You know, there's this kind of weird interstitial space where it isn't quite people aren't quite, you know, full Richard Dawkins. Yeah. And I don't know. I kind of feel like that era of atheism is I won't say over, but much less popular. And, and there's a much more open, curious form of atheism replacing it. And that's I, awesome. I that's, that's sort of what I would identify with. Yeah, same. Yeah. You know, I, I personally identify as a non-theist. And when people ask me what a non-theist is, I just say, well, a non-theist is an atheist who isn't an asshole about it. Um, <laughs> and, but you know, it, it like non-theism, it is associated with religious traditions. And I consider myself a deeply religious person, even though I am a non-theist. Uh, and, and so non-theism is associated with religious traditions and just has a softer connotation. And, yeah. and so I feel like that is more in line with the tone of who I am. Uh, but, it means the exact same thing ultimately as atheist, sure. which is just no yeah. God. And I, I've sort of struggled with labels this whole year. Um, yeah, I understand. Be, because for e even the idea of of actually saying I don't identify as a Christian felt strange because that's my whole life. It's just been as it's been as normal to to, to say that I'm a Christian as it is to say that I'm. Jonathan, you know, you know, to mm. say my name, it's, it's like, as it's as a part of me or so it, it seemed for a long time. And so giving up that label felt strange. And then, and then sort of going like, well, what label do I use? And, and trying on all these other labels felt like trying on these clothes that other people have worn that I'm just like, is this, does this fit me? I, 
I don't know. Um, and you know, uh, the closest thing that I could find to a, a word that felt like it made sense was agnostic, but it's also sort of a, a cop out term because it's like when you get into the nitty gritty of what these terms mean, it's like, well, agnostic refers to knowledge and then, you know, atheist refers to belief. And, and so technically every agnostic is an atheist. So, or yes. more or less. Is yes, that, more is, or less. Is that right? I, yeah. Yes, I'm totally following. I'm totally tracking with you. Yeah. And so the whole labels thing I, I've struggled with uh, for that, for those reasons. And then also I sort of came to the realization that whenever we use these terms, we're using them as shorthand to get a sense of who someone is as quickly as possible. Yes. And I sort of, I sort of realized that maybe there's a better way to go. And like, if I'm having a conversation with someone and I want to get a sense of who they are, instead of asking for a label from them, maybe I should just talk to them for a while and, mm. and, and get to know them on a more meaningful and specific level instead of trying to skip ahead. So that's just something I've contemplated. I don't have like a strong position on, you know, what I think is the best way to do that stuff. I, yeah, I agree. And there's also kind of this this anti-atheist propaganda campaign on the part of a lot of Christian apologists yeah. where they will try to tar they they try to tar atheists as like this boogeyman and um atheism really sparks actually I I've had John Moorhead on the show quite a bit and he's an evangelical who studies evangelical emotional responses to other religions and he he's oh, like wow. yeah it's fascinating and and so he's he really gets inside of their head and really like picks apart the emotions that they feel in response to different groups and he said the primary emotion that they feel towards atheist is disgust yes. and that there's something about atheism there's something about the word atheist that just really triggers disgust and i think part yeah. of that is is deliberate I, I I think part of that is on the part of some influential people just trying to paint atheists as and uh, in, in, just trying to tar us in as black a color as possible. And then I also just think it's our in-group bias and it's mm -hmm. and it's unconscious. Yep. And, you know, I think it's probably both of those. And so I, I find think you're it. Right. Yeah, I, I find it best to just avoid the word atheist because. The, honestly, the word atheist gives me more trouble than the word Satanist, if you can believe yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> well, I have, I have some questions about that. Yes, uh, yes, of course. So, Please ask. So I, I I don't know a ton about Satanism. Sure. Uh, do you even say Satanism? Yes. Okay, all right. It is a it thing. Felt like, it felt like a word that made sense, yes. given, uh, given the word Satanist. You do indeed. Um, you do indeed so, say Satanism. Yep. So... Uh, like I, I was interested in what you were just saying because I, for a long time, I mean, I was raised in a Christian home. My dad's a pastor. I was, uh, you know, in, in Christian culture my entire life. Most of my friends are still Christian. Um, plenty of them have not disowned me to their credit. So, um, but, uh, definitely I know what you mean about the, the, the aversion to atheists or the, maybe the mm. fear, I, I think of, of people that would, you know, have that label. And then Satanist, uh, in my 
in you know my upbringing, I would think that that's something I would be even more afraid of. So so what's interesting is like when I when I started talking publicly about not believing in God anymore, I had a few atheists, yeah, you know, podcasts or shows reach out to have conversations, and I was like, well, I should talk to them because because. I, I don't feel like I should be afraid to talk to anybody. Like at this point in my life and in my journey, like I want to, I want to talk to people that I wouldn't have talked to a year ago or two years ago. And like that, I want that. And so I, I went on, you know, a few shows with that are, that are, uh, you know, hosted by atheists and, um, and I discovered, I'm like, Oh, these, these people are just a lot like me. Uh-huh. And when I say a lot, uh, when I say a lot like me, I don't mean the me that I am now. I mean the me that I've always been. Yes. Like, like, like this person that I'm talking to is so much like the me that I was when I was a Christian. It's like there's just we're just not that different. Yep. And and but I've never actually spoken to someone who who would uh would consider themselves a Satanist. So so here's <laughs> here's my here's my and this is for your listeners, if this is retreading uh, you know, old old waters, we don't have to linger here. But um I'm curious as to if you could sum up basically what Satanism is to you. And and um my impression is that it's a it's a little well, I don't I don't even want to get into my impression. Why don't you tell me what what yeah, what it is to you I'd be and, and kind of how you got into it and, and, um, and what it means for you. You know, it and and I'm so delighted that you bring this up actually because I've just told our office manager at Rock Candy who books the shows for me to just really lean in with the Satanism because nothing <laughs> at first I was terrified. You know, at first I was afraid of scaring guests away. I right. I am scoring a lot of uh, interviews now, I think, because people are just so intrigued by the Satanism. Sure. Like one one person's assistant got back to me. and was like. So it's it's very it's normally very off putting to be asked, hey, come on to my satanic podcast. But this is actually very interesting. I I yeah. think <laughs> so. I'm well, learning. I'm learning that the Satanism is a hook for a lot of guests. And I'm glad well, I, I'm glad you bit. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I would have if you hadn't been a Satanist, I, I, I'm I'm sure I, I probably would have said yes anyways. Sure. Um, but uh I will admit it carried a bit of additional intrigue. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and there was an element of like, I probably am not going to tell my parents that I went on this particular podcast because sure. that'll that'll scare them. That'll scare them more than me talking to atheists. <laughs> <laughs> I understand, and you know, also as as a Satanist, I have to give you a welcome to the unbelieving fold. You know, I have to personally welcome you into the throng of Satan, as we all know every atheist is. So there, okay. there's a bloodletting orgy after the show, and and you're does hazing. that work over Skype? Uh, they're, they are right outside your door as we speak. I had it. This is, this is, this is why I was scared. (laughs) Okay. So you asked, um, yeah, please, please, uh, enlighten me. You, you asked, um, what does Satanism mean to me? Uh, so first of all, Satanism is, is non-theistic in general. Satanism is non-theistic. So the vast majority of Satanists, not just kind of the new school of Satanism with the Satanic Temple, but also the old school of Satanism with Anton LaVey, it has, ever since Anton LaVey, it has been predominantly non-theistic. I see uh, religion versus atheism as a false binary. 
and I think that there is a tremendous amount of richness and good within religion that that connects deeply with some people. And this is not to say that 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 people can't be happy without religion. Um, but it's more to say that I personally don't want to live without it. Hmm. And so can people thrive without religion? Yes, absolutely. But I don't want to. So I'm not going hmm. to. And uh, I think everyone needs to be offered that choice. And I have always been a deeply religious person. I suspect that I always will be. So I needed a space within non-theism, within atheism, in which I could be deeply religious. And hmm. Satanism offered that to me. Um, <clears throat> so I see atheism and religion as a false binary. And Satanism is, my Satanism is the the adoration for the symbol of Satan as the ultimate outsider, as the champion of enlightenment, as the champion of reason and compassion, who stood up against horrific, undue authority against incredible odds. And, and so th this doesn't make much sense, though, if it isn't rooted in the literary tradition of going all the way back to Milton, of of valorizing Satan and reimagining Satan as the heroic figure, and and so you know in the same way that the Eucharist and the cross make zero sense as symbols of redemption uh, and love, you know, a horrific device of state torture and cannibalism uh, make zero sense when you divorce it from the tradition, from the stream within which yeah. it exists in the same way, this figure that is seen as the ultimate form of evil in our culture, you, you can't understand that as the great anti-hero who stands up against undue un injustice and stands for the outsider unless you place him in that literary stream that right. has reimagined him. So that's really interesting. I, um, I have had a lot of experiences since stepping back from Christianity, looking at it from the outside, going like, wow, if I didn't grow up with this, that would that would seem strange. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, exactly. And, and some of the things that you said, like, you know, like the Eucharist, it's like, this is my body. And like Catholics believe in transubstantiation. So they believe that. So it is that, literally cannibalism. Yeah. Like Catholic. And, and I asked a Catholic. So I, I got a chance to uh, do a private uh, Skype call with a with a Catholic bishop uh, mm. a few months ago mm -hmm. because he has a web show and he mentioned me in the show. And, and I sort of emailed it because a bunch of people were sending it to me. I emailed them and said, hey, like if, you know, if you wanted to talk to me, we could, you know. We have the internet. We can talk. And so <laughs> I talked with this Catholic bishop for 90 minutes, and he was actually super generous with his time and with his thoughts. He's very, very sharp and very uh, studied. And I asked him about transubstantiation. And I and I was like, like, that's like, you really believe that? <laughs> like, and that he is, said, that's yeah. legit crazy. There's there's just no way around it. It's crazy unless you're in it. And it makes complete right. sense. That it, is it, exactly right. And, and that's and, the power of faith, you know, and that's the power of these traditions in these communities is the, the moment you step inside that flow stream of, of tradition and the moment you step inside that social space. Uh, Joe, Joe Laycock, who's a, um, he, he's on the show all the time. Uh, he, he wrote, um, 
speak of the devil, which is about TST, but he he calls these paracosms, shared imagined worlds. And mm. when you step into that shared imagined world, and by imagine, imagined is not a denigration. Imagined no. is not a denigration. In fact, some of the richest and most valuable experiences we have come in the form of paracosms. And I've never but, heard that term, but but shared imagination I'm familiar with. Yeah, yeah. shared shared imag- shared imaginative worlds and religious tradition is one of those paracosms, one of those shared imaginative worlds. And the moment you step into it, it makes sense. Yeah. In a way well, that I mean, it never will on the outside. Yeah. I mean for your audience, I mean I mean first off, for any of your audience that doesn't that isn't familiar with the concept of transubstantiation, Catholics believe that when they take the 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 the, the wafer and the wine and they 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 it represents the body of Christ and I come from a Protestant tradition where it it just metaphorically represents the body of Christ and the blood of Christ you know the the wine uh, the Catholics believe it literally turns into the actual body of Christ and the blood of Christ once you eat it yeah so so that's like for me uh, Protestant you know background that's crazy and for mm-hmm. anyone who's not Same. a part of Catholicism that's crazy. Um, and, and, you know, with regards to like, um, you know, if you think that you don't participate in shared imaginative worlds, you're wrong because every time you spend a dollar, you're participating. Exactly. Because money, money is, is, is shared fiction, especially once it's divorced from the gold standard, which it was in 76. Like since then it's, it's a made up thing that has value because we all agree that it does. Uh, human rights, human rights are, are a made up thing, but. But I think that we can all agree that uh, that the world is better if we agree that they exist. Language you know? as well. Language. You know, yep. um, to quote Dumbledore, uh, of course, it's all in your head, Harry. But why on earth does that mean it isn't real? Oh, that's why such a on good quote. why on earth would that mean it isn't real? And and that's really the case with religion. And and so I see religion as a I. When I try to exp- this utterly befuddles theists. They really, really struggle with this uh, when I talk to them about this, you know. And they'll they'll ask me and, and like how how can you be religious? Because for them, the core of their religion is based on their belief in God. At least mm-hmm. that is that is the case with um, most Christians that I encounter and. And what I try to articulate to them is, okay, you've had experiences with God, haven't you? And they always say yes. And it's like, this is very real to you, isn't it? And they say yes. And I say, you've you've talked to God. You've had that experience of talking to God, of communicating with him. And they always say, yes, of course. And I say, I believe that all of those experiences are real, even though I don't believe your God exists. And I believe that I can also have that experience even though I know that God isn't real. Does that make wow. sense? Yeah, and Does, and yeah. I, I think I've danced around that idea for a long time, but I've never heard it articulated that well. So yeah. that, that I mean, dude, that's a gift. Thank you for that. Because <laughs> I'm glad. No, I'm glad no, that, genuinely, that hits like, for you. I've had, I've had these conversations with my parents, for instance, and I've, and I've tried to mm. communicate to, you know, my mom and dad, like, like, I see how your faith gets put into action in your life in ways that I want to affirm. Yes. Um, but but I don't believe that the God you 
the God that you believe exists, I, I don't think exists. So how, 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 like the thing that I've struggled with is, is simply by exploring what I've explored and believing what I believe, I'm essentially saying to my parents, like, I think you're wrong. And, and yeah. I've, I, and I don't, no part of me wants to say that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have any, my rebellious teenage years are a long ways off now. Um, and, and I have no desire to like stick it to my parents. I love my parents. Um, and, and so I don't know what you just, what you just explained. That's a really good way to look at it. And I'm going to, I'm going to be thinking about that for some time. I'm glad. I'm glad that's helpful. And also I'm just not, I mean, what you were just tell, talking about your parents, I'm, I'm just not interested in putting myself at odds with the vast majority of humanity. Yeah. You know, me neither. I mean, the, the vast majority of humanity has some kind of supernatural belief. And, mm-hmm. and I really think that, that non-theism or non-supernaturalism or what have you is, is a highly unnatural state for mm-hmm. humanity. I, I think it is an incredibly unnatural place to be. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't, not unnatural in terms of wrong, but just unnatural in terms of new and yeah, and, it's it's not hard. it's not it's in all... line with what human how human beings have thought historically. Exactly, and, yeah. And I'm just you know I I look at the world we're in right now, and I think it requires not making a big deal of belief. You know, we're we're living in a world where climate change is real, and there's a very dark future ahead of us if we don't do something about it and and just all kinds of issues like that and i just don't see how making an obstacle out of faith or or disbelief is helpful yeah to the flourishing of humanity at this point you know i i yeah. don't think it is it's helpful and i know that there are atheists out there who disagree with me strongly but honestly Certainly. a lot of a lot of yeah. it is personality type i just don't have the time i already have a fucking <laughs> full-time job i don't have the energy to 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 yeah. just have those to just be at odds with other people and um like i want yeah, more well, i want more friends in life i don't want fewer yeah <laughs> and 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 i mean so for me part of the motivation Part of my journey away from Christianity had to do with the problem of suffering or the problem of evil. Mm. Uh, it's just sort of a classic philosophical problem. But for me, it was like brought to the foreground of, of my life. And n- not for me personally, because at 37 years old, I- I'm actually sort of surprised at how just if I look at my life compared to a lot of people, how little I've suffered. It seems actually like downright unfair that I've suffered as little as I have. But um, I've. I've witnessed unbelievable suffering mm. that really put a dent in my ability to believe in God. And, um, and, and, and since then I feel tremendously motivated to be a part of alleviating suffering wherever and whenever I can. Yeah. Um, and that's been a huge motivating force for me. And, and so I've worked over the years, I've worked with you know, Christian, uh, nonprofits that are doing really good work. And I go like, Hey, they're, they're feeding and clothing thousands of kids in this area. Like, and they're also giving them a Bible, like fair enough. Like, I, like, am I going to try and sink that organization or like convince them that they should change? You know, I don't, I don't want the good work that they're doing to stop. 
Um, and so I, I want to find ways of, of participating in, in stuff like that. And, um, yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather fight. I'd rather put my energy towards making people's lives better in tangible ways than nitpicking over exactly how we do it. And so, uh, I just don't feel like it's productive for me to go on a crusade trying to convince everyone that God's not real. I'd rather convince everyone that we should alleviate suffering and, and hopefully convince people that there's actually suffering that exists that maybe you're ignoring because of your faith. And, yeah. and, and those are the situations where I might try to nudge people and be like, well, maybe you should consider this, but always with the, always with the posture that like, I believe the best in you, uh, if you know, and, it it and, really and that's has what's missing sometimes from some yes. of the atheist perspective is like it's like are we believing the best about people and and I mm. I think you can accomplish more if you're willing to do that. My goal is always to well my concern is always how do people treat each other. Yes, and and I am way more concerned about how someone treats their neighbor than I am with what some with what religion people believe and mm-hmm. and so i feel like my goal when i talk to christians is not to and i and actually this is the first time i'm verbalizing this mm. i feel like my goal when i talk to christians and i still talk to quite a few um because i i just refuse to cut ties with that world yeah. i Me too. i refuse to do it and um you know, regardless of whether they run away screaming from me, I will always try to be hospitable to them. And um, my goal is to help them be a better Christian. Mm. Um, or my goal is to help them be a better person. And if that means helping them be a better Christian, then so be it. You know, my yeah. goal is not to to deconvert people. My goal is to help people be better. And yeah. uh, if in the process of that someone ends up losing faith— that's fine. I don't, yeah. I don't care. I just genuinely don't care what people believe. And I, I care about how they treat each other. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that, I think that people's beliefs are best expressed by their actions. And so, exactly. um, and so I don't need you to tell me what you believe. I just need to see how you live and I'll know, you know, and, and by that measure, I actually know a lot of Christians that I, that I, I admire. Same. Uh, because I, they're walking out their beliefs in a way that that I think is incredible, and and no part of me wants to take that away from them or to deprive the world of what they're doing, you Same. know. Um, and so, so you know, I guess you could look at this in a somewhat pluralistic light, and 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 go like, I, I think that good is worth aiming for. And um, we could have philosophical, you know, debates about why I think that. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think that if we're aiming for the most good for the most people, there's a lot of ways in which Christianity gets you part of the way there. And so does Buddhism. And so exactly. does Taoism. And exactly. so does, you know, Islam. And so does um, Hinduism and Judaism and uh, Jainism for sure. Yeah. Uh, so it's like there's... I, I don't necessarily believe in the sort of metaphysical uh, realities that most Christians believe in and heaven and hell and all that stuff. But but I do think that there's a lot of Christian values that that track fairly well with reality. 
Mm. Um, I think that there's a few issues on which I would disagree. Um, but, um, but in the majority of cases, I, I think that most Christians, their faith tends to lead them to more or less be pretty good people. Um, yeah. when it's walk when it's walked out in a healthy way. Yeah, I I think that's probably true and you know, I know a lot of in one of the reasons why I can't cut ties with parts of the Christian community is because I was saved by Christians. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I and I don't mean that figuratively. I mean really literally, you know, when I was uh coming out when I was coming to terms with my orientation when I mm-hmm. was at some of the darkest points in my life it was radically loving Christians mm. who saved me my life is a testimony to Christian love the fact that I am here right now talking to you is a testimony of radical Christian love who were willing to walk with me through some very, very dark places and affirmed my orientation and affirmed my life in a way that no one else did, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Which is, which is why it was so heartbreaking when I lost faith. Yeah. I didn't leave Christianity because I was hurt by it. Of course I was hurt by it. Um, and, in, and in a lot of ways, Christianity feels like an alcoholic parent. You know, it's it's kind of this brutal, abusive, love-hate relationship that I have with it. But I didn't—that wasn't the reason why I left. I, I left because I just stopped believing in it. Mm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's me too, man. I, 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 think, I think there's a lot of— uh, there's a lot of times where there's this perception within a faith. I'll speak for Christianity because that's the one I'm most familiar with. That like, but there's this perception sometimes within it that when you leave, it's because you have some horrible sin in your life, or you're you're trying to justify these awful things that you want to do, and 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 you leaving the faith is how you justify it. And or and, you are so hurt, you are so wounded by the right, church that right, you right. just couldn't exist in it any longer sure yeah Yeah, i and for me it's like i sort of left christianity unwillingly i mean i mean same to a degree i mean i Mm -hmm. definitely i walked out on my own two feet so it's not like i was dragged out but but it was my home and my community and my family and like and it was everything for me and and so um it's not like i it's not like i had a great time. I mean, I mean, throughout 2019, I was really processing all of this stuff and studying and learning more. And, um, and I got really depressed. I got real low Mm -hmm. and, um, I started going to therapy for the first time and it, uh, it was amazing. Like, I mean, for your, for your, for yourself or your audience, audience, like anyone considering even thinking about maybe going to therapy, stop thinking about it and just do it. Um, because, I had a really good experience and it really helped me process things in a healthy way. And my therapist wasn't interested in trying to get me to believe anything in particular or disbelieve anything in particular. She just wanted to see me healthy. And, um, I did 95% of the talking in our sessions. Right. And, uh, and, and she created a space for me to be able to work this stuff out. And she mostly asked really good questions. And, um, I, I'm I'm so grateful for the, for that experience um, because it it really it really helped me through what could have been a much darker time than it was. Mm. 
And how did how did your friends respond to this? To your coming out as a non-believer? Yeah, uh, mostly very very friendly, mostly very kind. Um, hmm. I know a lot of them are are sort of grieved by it because they you know they most of my friends are still believers and so i think to them it was sad and um but i didn't have a lot of people hating on me not people that knew me people that knew me personally were very very kind there there was plenty of people on the internet that don't know me personally that were that were plenty vicious i i uh, i read so many comments you know (laughs) i i remember um actually I i remember hearing about this I forget how how many months ago this was when you first made that announcement and then it blew up and I was I think it was on like Charisma magazine or something. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. and I was I was reading the comments on it and I was like, Jesus Christ, if they think <laughs> if they think John Steingard is the sign of the devil in our culture and that was, it was it was like stuff like that like John Steingard losing faith is a sign of the times and that the church is crumbling and just all kinds of crazy stuff like that. And I'm right. like, Jesus Christ, we should never let them know that I exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So what was super interesting to me, man, is that um, I had a number of friends sort of privately tell me things that they don't say publicly mm. um, as a result of me being very public. So I had... I had one friend that that came out to me as bisexual privately. Um, once once he realized that I was a safe space to talk about it with, and he's he's not out publicly, um, but he's someone that I've been friends with for ages and ages, and 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 I I love him like he's one of my dear friends, and uh, and I felt so honored that he shared that part of his you know his life with me and himself with me. Um, so that was that was super cool. And, and then also like I had a number of my Christian friends privately tell me that they had, they had come around to, uh, believe Christian universalism, which is basically the idea that, that Jesus will save everyone in the end. And so they, you know, they told me like, I'm not worried about your soul. I believe you're going to heaven still, but I just, I I'm, I'm saddened that you can't experience the, the reality of God's love here and now. So I, I had some of that. And then I had a few people who are public figures in Christianity actively that privately messaged me and said, you know, I haven't, I've actually, I haven't believed in years and I'm just stuck. Like, wow, I I don't have another career. I've put everything into this. And so I have to see it through and I don't have any other alternatives. Mm. Um, now you could nitpick with them and disagree with them about whether they have alternatives, but I feel empathy for their situation and go like, you know, like, man. And like, we're talking like artists, pastors, like imagine, uh, imagine going your whole life as a pastor and then ending up in say your fifties or sixties and then just realizing one day, you don't, I don't believe, believe this. And it's your income, it's your entire community, it's your entire life. I mean, honestly, back, if you come out and as as a non-believer at that point, you, you lose, have you you lose everything. Yes, and and you have no support system to catch you as well. I yeah. mean, and I, and people will abandon you. Yes, they they will. They, they might be nice to your face, but like all the stuff that counts it will be gone. Yeah. Definitely. And it's interesting you bring that up because, you know, years ago I I would encounter these people 
um, this was back when I was still coming to terms with my orientation and being gay, and I was still very much a Christian. But I, I encountered all these people who were in ministry and either discovered they were gay and and couldn't be honest about it mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. were in heterosexual marriages and got married because they thought that it would fix them and now decades later realized that it never did and oh, now man. And, and the words that one person told me was i am living half a life Ugh. and i just made this vow that i would never put myself into a position where I couldn't be 100% honest about where I am and that I, I just, I just wouldn't do it. I'm, I'm not going to do it. And I think that that vow has served me pretty well. Good. Um, That's great. I it just, and so, you know, I was going to pursue ministry. I, Oh really? I had, yeah. I didn't oh know yeah. That. Oh yeah. Back, back when I was in college, I was on a route to, um, either becoming a pastor or youth minister, you know, going into some kind of ministry. And I decided against it because I was like, Mm. I don't ever want to be put in a place where I have to stand up in front of people and lie. Mm. I just can't do that. Um, I identify with that so much. And honestly, it scared me. Watching these people, it scared me away from it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same thing. I, I, I realized because I started doing video production work four or five, five, six years ago, and I was doing it while I was still in the band. Um, I was sort of utilizing the downtime I had on show days during the day. You know, if I didn't have to do anything until like four or five in the afternoon, I had all day. So I would go on YouTube and learn, you know, filmmaking techniques and gear and all this stuff. And so I started doing film work and that business really grew quickly and Fairly quickly, I, I realized, man, I could do this full time if I wanted to. And for a time, I basically did the band full time and film work full time, hmm. which was not really good for my marriage. <laughs> um, but but when it came time to to sort of pick one, part of the reason that I went with video production and film film work is because, well, a, I was going to have the freedom to set my own schedule a lot more, and and be home more with my family. And, and B, it just it, it, it avoided the exact thing that you just talked about, because I think at that point I was beginning to have just the beginnings of, of real doubt. Yeah. And and I was I, it's hard for me to know exactly uh, how conscious this was for me or whether it was just under the surface. It's hard to know. Um, but I think I I knew a little bit at that point and a lot now that like. I am I'm terrified by the idea that I might have to be beholden to a particular belief in order to continue paying my bills. Yes. And and it's terrifying because people change. People change. It's like if you it didn't scare me when I was for the most part when I was a believer because I just assumed that this was part of me forever. Exactly. You know, and. And then once you begin to question it, even the tiniest bit, you go, whoa, 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 like the consequences of this are, if I start doubting this, the consequences are massive. All right, it's um, huge. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I you know, I, I think as I became more and more entrenched in the film work that I was doing and less and less ensconced in Christian culture, I, I be, like th- that transition coincided very, very 
neatly with my transition away from Christianity because I, I felt increasing levels of freedom and confidence going like, okay, I can ask these questions and, Good. and we're not going to be destitute. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. So talk, speaking of belief, um, if I may backtrack just sure. a bit, um, yeah. so in, in terms of what I believe, you know, you were, you were asking earlier about my Satanism, I would be incredibly remiss not to read to you the, um, the tenets of the satanic temple. And so when, okay. when people ask me, what do I believe as a Satanist? This is what I believe. These are the seven okay. core, yeah. core fundamental tenets of, of TST. One should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures in accordance with reason. The struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. One's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone, the freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forgo one's own. Beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's belief. People are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. Every tenet is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. So in terms of what I believe, that's, that's it. Those, those seven tenets are what I believe as a Satanist. Those, those are my core religious beliefs. That's so reasonable. Isn't it, though? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, there's like, there's very little in there that, that, that most people, I, I, I struggle to find very, very much in there that most people would there's, disagree with. There's a very little objectionable. There's, a couple, there's there, a couple things like I could see with most faiths, like, you know, I, one of the things you described seemed to, to indicate that reason sort of supersedes written commands like or scripture or something yes. like that. So yeah, there's the that. Protestant Christian faith that I grew up in would have a problem with that one. But also bodily autonomy, the Christian faith yeah, that I grew yeah, up in would I have up a, on that a one big too, but, problem with bodily autonomy. But in general, and and also you know they're they're written to be deliberately if, vague as well. So but but here's the thing: if you if you take abortion out of the equation, then I think most Christians would agree with the bodily autonomy thing. Absolutely. Yeah, they so would. So it's like, it's like the only reason that they're even going to a place where they might not feel the, Un- the way that you feel about that is just on that one issue. Or, you know, certain sexual practices as well. That would, okay. that would be a deal breaker for them probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's right. Yeah. And, but, but yeah, and you know, the, the tenets are written to, deliberately vague they're they're deliberately open-ended and really the life of the satanic temple a lot of it and and you know i'm not speaking as an official spokesperson i'm just a member who's who's kind of an observer and participant in this is um a lot of the life comes from the ongoing conversation of what it means to embody the tenets and Mm -hmm. And different people have different perspectives, and that's amazing. Well, and um, it sounds updatable. Exactly. That's that's the whole idea. And, and, and you know, Lucian, 
Well, Lucian Greaves, the founder, he was just recently on the show and he was tell he was talking about how you've probably seen our Baphomet, the the yeah. the image of our Baphomet. That's what everyone yeah. recognizes. He was talking about how one of the possibilities for the Baphomet was to engrave in stone in in the Baphomet itself on the back the seven tenets. And he decided not to do that because he said that that's kind of what we're avoiding. We don't want mm. to engrave these things in stone. They have to be open to to being updated. And, you know, yeah. we don't we don't want TST to go through what Church of Satan has gone through, which is where Anton LaVey dies and and now the followers have have just kind of calcified his words as holy writ, and um, right, and it's which is which is potentially part of the problem with. See, we're with touching all on something religion. important now. All because, religion, because because this is the thing about religion is that is that, uh, and and I I try to challenge my Christian friends on this point. When you have a holy scripture of some kind. That scripture becomes non-updatable, and when when all of your beliefs are based on that, then it, it essentially locks you into a way of thinking that's 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 entrenched in however people thought whenever that scripture was written, minus the interpretation, which changes, which of course people don't want to admit changes. Like, no, exactly. we're 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 interpreting it properly. I'm like, well. So so says you, but you know the other forty seven thousand denominations disagree. I I uh, think it's actually the exact opposite. I okay, think I think the real life of religion is actually the tradition, and hmm. and it is the tradition that Catholics act, would agree with you on yes, that. Yeah, and I and I agree with the Catholics on this. Where and even bib, this is even true of biblical literalists. I I think that religion is a social construct. Mm-hmm. And and as such, you know, it's it's kind of this ongoing living thing, it, and and religion exists in the minds of people, not in the words of a book. And I think that that's true, but uh, but I think at least from the circles that I come from, there would not be a willingness to admit that that's. Oh true. no, no, this is yeah. this is definitely a this is definitely a a matrix kind situation yeah. <laughs> where yeah. you know i i think that a lot of people would be afraid to admit that i yeah. and i think well, that they this certain, is they wouldn't like for instance like m- most of my christian friends would not would not admit would not that. would not concede it and i think no. that they're wrong you know a lot of my my christian friends would as well refuse to concede it but i the the reality is we are always reading and we are always interpreting yeah. and if we aren't then the book doesn't exist the well book, and one of the things i like to i like to do is i like to challenge my christian friends um mm. on the issue of of uh affirming the lgbtq community mm. so one of the one of the things that i that i try to communicate is like hey if you like in your gut, because when I was a Christian, like when when the same sex marriage law was passed by the Supreme Court, my gut feeling right away was like, this is a good thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I just that was my gut feeling. And mm. I was a full on believing Christian at that time. And I knew that I couldn't say that publicly because 
I, it would you would experience what um what the jars of clay guy Dan Hazeltine, yeah, <laughs> what so, he went through, so, where he didn't yeah, even I, come I out in Dan. full support. He didn't even yeah, come I, out in full support. He was just like, "Hey guys, maybe we should stop being assholes about this," and that almost <laughs> cost him his career. <laughs> yeah, well, it actually, I mean, it it basically did, um, yeah. because after that they had to radically change the way that they did their band because they weren't wow. invited. I mean, I didn't see them at Christian festivals for a while after that. Wow, it's um, amazing. Yeah, but I, you know, so, 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 one of the things I try to communicate to my Christian friends who maybe share that gut instinct, but are having a hard time justifying it within the, within the culture of Christianity that they're a part of, is I say, look, okay, so, you and I both agree that that slavery is not awesome, right? That that the fact the fact that we no longer believe that slavery is okay. You and I would agree that that's a that that is a a, a good thing, and we that's progress, right? And and they would they always say, oh yes, that's progress, and they say, okay, well the Bible pretty clearly is fine with slavery, and and um, I could show you all kinds of verses that indicate that. Um, I think that you and I would agree that even with like Christian within Christian values, um, the 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 journey from being okay with slavery to not being okay with slavery is is an expansion of 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 the very same grace and love and kindness that you have already as a Christian. It's an expansion of that to to be a better representation of and a better expression of those those beliefs and those values. In the same way, I, I think expanding uh, to include affirmation of the LGBTQ community's right to exist in the first place, plus their their legal rights to have to be able to, you know, marry and and, and be in a relationship uh, that's committed the same way that my wife and I are. Uh, that's an expansion of that love and grace and kindness that you already value in the same way that it was expanded to to say that slavery was wrong. And so by affirming the LGBTQ community, you are you're participating in a tradition that Christianity and Christians everywhere have already participated in, you know, and, and I'm, I'm hearkening back to the thing that you mentioned about tradition. Like, like let's, like, I firmly believe a hundred years from now, n- nobody is going to think that, you know, same sex marriage is wrong. Agreed. You know what I mean? We're going to look back and be like, that was so backwards. The same <laughs> way that we look back at slave owners and be like, I can't believe they or- ever, or Love interracial that. marriage, you know, or interracial marriage. I'm just like, come on. Like we look back at that and we're shocked that we ever thought it was a bad thing. And it's going to be the same with same sex marriage and, and, and homosexuality and, and bisexuality and, you know, transsexuality. I mean, like it's, it's going to be the same. And, and by clinging to dogmatically to six verses in the Bible that yeah. mention homosexuality in a context that, the homosexual practices that existed at that time look nothing like they do today. Um, clinging to that, I, I just think you're on the wrong side of history if you do that. And, you know, this is exactly what I was talking about earlier, where it's like my goal is to help Christians be better Christians. And this, yeah. these kinds of conversations of of pushing them on on certain issues, it's like I'm I'm trying to get them to be better to to get them to a, to a Christian theology that allows them to be a better per, 
person yeah. because I, I see that as an easier battle. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like, yeah. it's, it's an easier battle to, to push them more towards, um, accepting theologies than it is to push them towards godlessness, you know, to be sure. the, the godless heathen that I am. Um, <laughs> I, well, I, think I mean, I think a lot of it comes back to what we've already talked about. It's like assuming the best about people. Absolutely. You know, if you, if, if, if I always try to take the approach, like I had, you know, I've had conversations with relatives of mine that believe differently than I do. And, and, um, and I've, I've always, you know, especially on the, the, you know, homosexual issue. I, I, I always say like, look, like I know you to be a loving person and someone who wants to, uh, be kind and loving and supportive mm-hmm. of other human beings. Like that's who you are. So I, I want to encourage you and, and help you find a way to extend that beyond the people that you've been able to feel like you were free to extend it to so far. And and if I can help you do that, I'm way more interested in that conversation than I am in convincing you that God's not real, you know? Mm. Yeah, so it, it really sounds like a lot of what is motivating you is this goal to to help other people and yourself just be better human beings. It's like, how do, how do we, how do we treat each other better and and treat each other well? And then I get like a little bit irritated when I get, you know, talking to a Christian apologist who convinces, you know, is trying to convince me that I have no, uh, I have no grounding in reason to even oh my God, un- it drives, undertake that. It drives me and crazy. And I'm just like, and I'm just like, <laughs> okay, well we can have that conversation, but it, it, it takes away from, you know, it's a cheap point to me. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then we'll end up inevitably talking about Nazis and, you know, it always goes there. It's, it's like, true. It's like, well, if you believe morality is subjective, then Mother Teresa is no different than Hitler. And I'm like, well, they were both human. So in a way, they were no different. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but, you know, you're trying to get me to say something that makes me sound horrifying. And and, that's, <laughs> and that, that doesn't mean you, you're right. And you know? Mother Teresa was actually a terrible person. Wait, was she actually? Yeah, she was. In my opinion. In my opinion, she was a terrible person. Maybe I need to do some research because that really bums me out. She fetishized death and withheld treatment from people in a way that was really horrifying. And uh, she was a very, she was a deeply ill woman. And the fact that any of us have, have canonized her as, as like this icon of, of human rights is just absurd and that is entirely my opinion there are oh, people man. who will, maybe are... hitler and mother <laughs> Teresa have more in common than I thought. all right well that... <laughs> we need to wrap this up but um, on that i don't note, know how we're coming back from that now one that now that now that i have destroyed your your vision of mother Teresa. no i mean she was in the foundations of my life man she was a deeply complicated person and yeah. I'm not going to say she was evil because I think that's too simplistic, but she yeah. did do some really problematic things and she she's she's much darker. She is a much darker person than I think 
her popular image. Anyway, mm. with that said, this has been great. I've thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed this, and you're welcome back anytime. And let's, yeah, well, I, thank you so much for a, a great conversation, man. I, re I really appreciate it. And, it's my um, pleasure. Let's yeah, stay in touch. I'm, Let's stay in touch. Yeah, I feel absolutely. like I feel like we have a a lot more to talk about. I um, I think we scratched the surface. I think yes, absolutely. So you're welcome back on the show anytime, and and also let's just let's keep talking because I feel like there's a lot more there to talk about. Awesome, sounds uh, good, man. Thank you. Of course. All right. Well, that is it for this show. The music is by the Jelly Rocks and Eleven D Seven. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. The show is written, produced, and edited by me, Stephen Bradford Long. And it is a production of Rock Candy Recordings. As always, hail Satan. We'll see you next week.